kids with Down syndrome. Hey friends, welcome to episode 40 of the Lucky Few podcast, where we are shifting the narrative by shouting the worth of people with Down syndrome. This is Heather, Mercedes, and Micah. And today we are continuing our back to school conversation and answering your questions about the different education options for our kiddos with Down syndrome. Before we go there, we want to say that every option is valid and we support your kids in whatever setting works best for them. Friends, the education conversation is a you do you, mama and dad and aunt and whoever's in charge. You know your kid, you do you. Do the thing that works for you and your kid. So thank you for tuning in, friends. Excited for this conversation. Welcome to the Lucky Few Podcast. Ladies, okay, so before we jump in, how is everybody? How was Labor Day weekend? Woohoo, it was good. <laughs> <laughs> Labor Day weekend. What did we do? Well, okay, so the Laras always do everything all at once. So on a whim, we're moving to Redlands. On a whim. Uh, <laughs> It was a giant life decision. (laughs) Moving like across the street from the Avises, well, around the corner. Um, And I'm, we're, we're also the girls, us girls, we're heading out. You, me, Heather, to the DSDN. So trying to think of that um, while packing. And we had like every single really good friend birthday party this weekend too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so is that like grown up really good friends or like well you every know, child's best friend? Yeah, well it's it was our good friends is children. Okay. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So they're they're their priority so we do all the things in one weekend and that felt like this weekend so thankfully it was a three-day weekend um packed full of packing and fun fun packing is not fun though you're so chill about it you know i think it's a little bit fun well that's why we're very different (laughs) this is why we need each other in our lives i have a little bit of trauma from packing because we moved five times in five years, not our choice. Like we moved to a rental. They sold the house while we were there. It'd been a rental for the entire life of the house (laughs) and then they sold it. And so we had to move after a year. The exact thing happened in the next house. It'd been a rental the entire life of the house. And we lived there for one year and they sold it at the end of that year. And it was like, they sold it to like a cousin. Like it wasn't our option to buy it. Anyways, then we had to move again and then we moved again. <sighs> Heather, I feel like this is a bonding situation between us because we've had the same thing happen to us. We moved five times in five years, I think. Whoa. Four and times you in four. still like no, it. Well, and here's the thing is that, so this happened, we've lived in four houses in San Francisco and in the middle of those moved to Austin for one year. And so, but this last house we've been in has, we've been in for six years. Oh, wow. And, but... I've had to learn how to clean because I feel like this, the idea of like deep clean spring cleaning or whatever, I just never had to do. I just always 
packed everything up. Just right. <laughs> you just, that's kind just, of like how I have felt. I've like never hoarded anything because every time you move, you just, you just purge it. Yeah. You throw you everything so away. So, and we've moved quite often as well. Um, so yeah, deep cleaning, maybe not, but we just pick up and go. <laughs> yeah. Moving while pregnant, Mercedes. Oh that's yeah. Not cool. And I'm pregnant. That so is not cool. That's a thing. That's yeah. a thing. Well, we're cheering you on girl. And I could not be more excited selfishly. I, I can't wait. Can't wait. Everybody. Welcome. Everyone come to Redlands. That's what I'm, my goal in life. We're working on Micah. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying my best. You guys. Good job. Um, okay. Labor Day weekend. We went up to my parents' house in the mountain. Here's the thing about where we live. It is a desert and it's Southern California. And there are six to eight to 10 weeks a year, maybe 12. And I'm trying to not scare Mercedes, but it is like, <laughs> get me the bleep out of here. It is so freaking hot and the heat doesn't go away and there's no rain and there's, it's just hot. And you just feel like I, I feel trapped. I'm trapped here. And then the seasons change. And for seven months or more out of the year, it's the most beautiful weather of all time. <laughs> and then you just endure September, August and September. So it's so freaking hot. All that to say, I went to my parents' house. They live in the mountains about 30 minutes away, a little bit out of the heat. And that was lovely. And I just chilled. I haven't done that in a long time, guys. So mm -hmm. I was happy about that. Good. I love a three-day weekend. Yeah. How about you, Micah? Me too. Um, we did a really funny thing this year. We, like, two weeks ago or three weeks ago, we're like, we want to do something Labor Day weekend. It was too late to find any kind of Airbnb or anything. And we knew a couple of families who go to a random Sheridan in, in the suburbs that's just not expensive. And it has a great big pool. And so we were like, let's just do that. So four families... We just rented this, these rooms that were not expensive and had big coolers and just spent all day, every day at the hotel pool. That's so fun. <laughs> it was the best. And it was like a 40-minute drive from home. So then the whole adventure was over and we just drove home. Then, I love that. So I, uh, I felt kind of cheesy doing it. And then afterwards, I was like, this is my new favorite thing. <laughs> That's such a great way to spend time with friends. Well, I we know. rent Mercedes and myself and two other families for years now. We've been renting a house together every year in October usually, but we've moved it up because October is a crazy month. But we do that and we're all in one house together, which is awesome because at bedtime, we can all, all the adults can be together, right. but I also love the idea of a hotel because everyone kind of has, is just like in charge of their little space and right. just like everyone's, well, everyone who can come, come to the hotel. Right. I love that. And the, and there's like all these tables. So we would just order pizza and we just ate dinner around the pool and it was pretty awesome. You had a good weekend. I did. That's so I good. I did. All right. So, um, so you guys, we're, we're talking, we've been in this in our back to school series. And, um, you know, we're, we're jumping back into this conversation. And one of the biggest questions, because we've been reaching out to you, lovely listeners, um, and one of the biggest questions we've received is how to not feel inadequate if you don't choose full inclusion general ed setting for your child with Down syndrome. And I think this is really interesting because I think we, as a, as a community, we talk about inclusion a lot for good reason. 
Um, and we're mostly a community of women. And, you know, no matter what we do, moms can make each other feel bad about their choices. <laughs> and, and so, yeah, yeah, I don't, usually not on purpose. Um, and I think it's a really important question and something that probably a lot more moms, especially in our community, are working through than are willing to admit, maybe. So, so this question of how do you not feel inadequate if you don't choose a full inclusion general ed setting for your child with Down syndrome? What do you think, Heather? It's a big one. I, I mean, surprise, surprise, I've got a lot to say about the topic. Um, and I also recognize I've, I'm only into fifth grade. So there are, you know, parents whose kids have already graduated high school, plenty of them in junior high and high school who have been on the road before all of us. And so Again, I think I said this in the intro, but that we're not claiming to be experts here. We like to bring experts into the conversation, but this is just three moms shooting the bleep about this conversation. <laughs> um, so just saying that, right? We're we're just speaking yeah. from experience and from our own opinion. So what's interesting is I actually wanted to write about this, and I'm talking about it now instead because in the last less less than a week, in this last week, I've had two different people who I follow on Instagram who are in the Down syndrome community who are prominent members in the Down syndrome community. They're on the front lines of advocacy and um, talking about this and about their confusion about either their confusion about whether or not to do a full inclusion for their child. And then by not choosing it, like having to really justify that in our community mm. and having to like fight that feeling of guilt or inadequacy for themselves and or their kids Right. So I want to read this one post. This is on Instagram. Her handle is make something beautiful. Um, she's a really good follow. She's an incredible advocate, but this is what she said for her back to school picture with her kiddos. So she says something big happened this week in our family. Sam and Ben both started a new school. They are now attending a small therapeutic private school, all special needs children. Years ago, sorry, and to say her kids, Sam and Ben, have Down syndrome. Years ago, when we first fall, when we first moved here, we ran into a group from the school out to eat following their monthly trip to the library. We spoke to the teacher and the students, and I walked away thinking, I wish Sam could go to that school. But after checking out the price tag, I quickly crossed that off my list of possible educational options. Six years of tumultuous public schooling situations later for Sam, three schools in five years, one teacher fired, three quit mid-year, Basically, he had no teacher for second and fourth grade, plus his health struggles. And with Ben, just starting out, I was hoping for another path for my boys. And then God at the 11th hour opened the door for a full scholarship for both boys to attend that very school. Moving schools again feels emotional and unknown. And if I'm honest, leaving academic inclusion completely makes me feel insecure and unsure we are making the right decision. I'm going to read that line again. And if I'm honest, leaving academic inclusion completely makes me feel insecure and unsure we are making the right decision. In the Down syndrome world, academic inclusion is something we are taught early on by our peer parents in this community that we are supposed to be willing to die on the hill for. But that is not our story. There are many factors both in our family and in our son's stories that make us believe this is the right path for us. But change is hard, even though it can be good and faith building. We may not get it all right, but we know our boys. We know our capacity and limitations. We know what we have experienced so far in our attempts at academic inclusion. We know what God has provided today, and we're trusting him with our boys' academics, just as we always have done. 
And the good news is that both have had a fantastic first week and are so happy when I drop them off as they run inside and happy when I pick them up as they run back into my arms. At the end of the day, whether I should have died on the hill of academic inclusion can be debated. But what I know for sure, my boys feel safe and are, and are happy in this new school. And that is very reassuring that we did the right thing. Hmm. Whoa. I feel I like there's a lot, yeah. a lot happening there. I, I, know. I commented, I commented on this and said, yes, like you do what you need to do. This is great. Cheering you on, something like that. And then she commented back and said, it's hard to watch people like you who are having such success with academic inclusion and to feel like I'm doing it right or something like that. Mm. And I just thought, oh my gosh, success is relative. Like Mm -hmm. I am Mm -hmm. at most days feeling like, can I just put my kids in a special day class and would if it was an option for us right now, but at our school, it's, there is a classroom, but it is, it's like by choosing full inclusion because the system isn't set up for my kids to succeed it is the lesser of two evils. So mm. we don't have a good special day class. It's not acceptable in my opinion. So then what's our other option? You know, and it's an inclusive setting where academically Mason's floundering. Like she's academically, she's not there. So ugh, it's a lot. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. What are, what are your ladies' thoughts? <clears throat> oh, go ahead, Micah. I mean, a lot of thoughts. I have a I, lot of thoughts. <laughs> I'll just jump in here that I, you know, my experience for the most part in the school setting is with my older, typically developing boys. And, um, and I've mentioned here before that my oldest son struggles with anxiety and that has affected a lot of his life. And so I would have said that when I first had my babies, I was like public school all the way. I was so... I'd worked for a ministry that worked in the public schools. I felt like that private school was how people hid their children away from the world. (laughs) You know, like that was sort of my, um, like if you are, are afraid, put your kid in private school. If you are brave and want to change the world, put your kid in public school. Like that would have been my like judgmental mantra. And then I had a kid who really struggled you know, and that's, and he was in public school through fourth grade. And I felt like the last third and fourth grade for him were a wash because there were a lot of, um, needs of his that were being missed. And I, I moved him to private school and that was a really hard decision for me, but it was the exact right thing. And I still like, I never, I, I judged every person ever who went to private school. My husband and I went to public school. We're from families that were in public school. We believe in the system. And uh, I'm so, so grateful that my son is in private school. Mm. It has done so much for him. And I love the community that he's in. And there is just, you, you've just got to know your kid and you've got to listen to your gut and, um, and make decisions based on their specific needs and what what each school has to offer them. Mm-hmm. I agree. Um, so Sunny's my oldest, and she's my first go at all this, and I didn't like the options that were there for her in our district, and I wasn't comfortable putting her or being okay with um, her just going into a mild to moderate special day class. 
And I'm not quite sure she's ready to just be in kindergarten without an aide. Oh, sunny. She's coming. She loves, as soon as she started talking about her, she's like, mommy, I'm here. I know. Oh, oh honey. She wants goodness. her mommy right now. <laughs> she, I love it when they turn, it, just f- listeners, so you know, Sunny just turned into a rag doll. I love yes. it. I love it with how our kids you just like You should see me at flop. the park with her. <laughs> they just flop down. My friend calls it going boneless. Going like boneless. <laughs> and she's go- she's so long for yeah. person with Down so syndrome, tall. but they told me they were supposed to be small. I think she's going to be taller than all of us. <laughs> and she's so long. So it's extra. But so for Sunflower, I definitely don't think she's um, ready to be in a classroom, full inclusion without a one-on-one support, in my opinion. Um, So we're trying homeschooling right now, also because I do love the thought of encouraging her, um, I don't know, her strong suits. So Mm -hmm. she loves to be like doing stuff that's physical. So like loves physical activity. Um, I feel like she learns the best while doing a physical activity um, and getting a lot of energy out. I think we've avoided a lot of behaviors from her by um, letting her have lots of time and space to, um, what's it called, to express herself and to expand energy. Um, So that's worked for us. I think where we're at in our family dynamic right now of having so many little ones and a baby on the way, um, that decision is harder because I'm like, oh my goodness, how can I really give her the homeschool experience while also taking care of all these little ones. Mm -hmm. So in that sense, I kind of feel like my hands are tied. Like I love the thought of dropping my kids off for a good chunk of the day, Monday through Friday. I love that. I just can't get my head around finding that great spot. Like I, if I know they're struggling in school, I can't drop them off. I don't know how to for me personally. Mm -hmm. Like that affects me. So I don't. (laughs) And so I haven't for Sunflower found that sweet spot of a school that I feel wonderful dropping her off. I feel like she's being treated like she's worth it with respect as a, as a equal student. I haven't felt that yet. So, and we're, like I said, we're just in kindergarten. So this is, I think it's also year by year. I don't know. I'm growing up at the same time she is. So we're figuring it out together right now. Homeschooling is where we're at and it's hard and it's great for in different reasons. And, um, sunflower, I see growth in her. And so we're just sticking with it for right now. I can't say I'll do the same for Rhodes and shepherd for my typically abled children, I guess, or neurotypical Mm. children. What do we say? Girls? That's good. Yeah. Typical. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't, I want to be able to have that experience of the school system of, that I think is kind of geared more towards your mainstream child. Not saying yeah. that my it two is, yeah. other ones will be mainstream, but so far they kind of seem like they could just enter the room and be what the teachers and the staff are looking for yeah. in a structure. So um, next year, Rhodes goes into kindergarten, so we'll enroll him 
at school. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's, there's so many layers here too, because, um, not everybody has access to all the things. And I think that for me is, is a big piece of why we have, I'm going to use her wording, even though I don't, I don't feel this way exactly, but like chosen to die on the hill of inclusion. Um, Mm. but isn't totally true because we are, my kids are my priority, but I do a big piece of why we've done the work that we've done is that I see, I do see a bigger picture. And the reality is like you're saying, Mercedes, to find that place Mm -hmm. that's going to work for your kid. When we have a kid with down syndrome, a, it doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. B it's incredibly expensive. Mm -hmm. And then where do we even, and then if homeschool is the option that leaves out every single parent, you know, who's working full time. And so public school for most parents, I think is the only option. Mm -hmm. And it, does bring in the conversation of like within our Down syndrome community, if you are a family of means, then it's a different conversation. Like mm-hmm. you can afford private therapies, you can afford private tutors, you can afford private schools, you can afford all these things that the majority of people can't. Right. And the people who can't, they're, they're not even stepping into this conversation of inclusion, but it's there. It's as important for their kid as it is for mine. You mm-hmm. know, the, I, the idea of creating a more inclusive right. space. So I think it's important when we have these conversations, for me at least, to realize that I can choose, I have the privilege of choosing a lot of the places that for my kids that most people don't have. Um, And just being aware of that, you know, as we, as we talk about these things and, and it is for me with Mace, with Macy, you know, she's in fifth grade and we just spent first, second and third grade literally fighting for her to have an equal space in her classroom with the supports she needs. That's the thing is that our kiddos need additional support and inclusion only works. We had, when we had Kristen Enriquez on, right, she talked about inclusive practices instead of talking about inclusion, right. that you have to have, you have to have good inclusive practices in place. Inclusion means nothing without inclusive practices and that the systems aren't set up like that. Um, especially in California where we all live. Um, there's like literally two schools in California that are built on an inclusive model that are, that would work. That could be that sweet spot, right? Mercedes, but that means you're moving or, or whatever. It's like, so then you have to get up and move to that place. So it, it's, it does feel like a trap a little bit. And for me with our decision to, to push for full inclusion and to really fight that battle, it has been because we see with Macy for her to feel like a member of her school, like a like she has full citizenship at her school, she's only going to feel that way if she's fully included in all of the spaces and it, and has access and opportunity. So those two pieces for us are what we keep going back to when the academics are too hard or when her behaviors are, we're dealing with behaviors that are tricky and we have to figure out what's going on, um, where it would be like the easier thing to do would be like, yeah, let's put her in the special day class and call it a day and she's going to do that. But then but then, and on all this last thing I'll say for now, there's also, I'm like for me, there is a bigger mission of this is actually better for humanity. So by Mason being fully included and ha- being a full member of her school and having access and opportunity, that means that the school has access to her and has the opportunity to learn from her. Right. Mason's my priority, right? Like she's not going to be some experiment and some puppet at her expense that everyone gets to learn from her. But when you figure out that balance of that relationship, which we're only a few weeks in fifth grade, we saw it in fourth grade because we had an amazing genetic teacher. We have an amazing genetic teacher this year. 
and the stories she shares of like Mason learning from her peers and then her peers, the stories she shares about what her peers are doing for her, it's like brings us to tears. Like she and I are like crying back and forth in these messages because it's incredible. And she's just like, she sees this teacher who's been teaching for 18 years. This is the first time she's ever done this. And she's saying to me, I get it. I get why this is important. And that, that feels like a narrative shift for me, you know? And so then that's like, okay, we're going to keep going. And the next time we hit a roadblock, we're going to remember that Mason had access to things that she wouldn't have if she was in a separate classroom on her campus and people around her have access to her and their lives are going to be changed for it. We are bettering humanity. So for me, that is a big piece of it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. It's, it's good, girl. This and you know, I think for for all of us who like because we have a child who is on the margins of society. I think there is a calling to social justice in our in our lives. And that is a really tricky line to walk. It's that, you know, like you said, Heather Mason is not a puppet. She's not a, like, she's, she's not a, a sacrifice for the greater good or something. Right. And at the same time, there is so much value in our kids paving the way because mm-hmm. the way still needs to be paved. And, right. and that, that requires so much wisdom on our part to know when it's too much, when is, when is our child becoming just the, the, the sacrifice instead of the, the person with power who's getting to walk the road that hasn't been walked before? It's hard to know. It's hard to know. I also think, too, I feel like not, everybody, not every battle is everybody's battle. Yeah. And not everybody's, not everybody's on the same hill. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the things you care about um, aren't all like not are all not always something that's at the forefront of my mind to care about. Do you know what right. I mean? There's so many things. Totally. There's so many and that's things. Why it's, yeah. I think at the end of the, this conversation, what I want our listeners to hear and what I have learned in my few years is this is a very personal thing per person. Right. And the fact that I feel this deep need to do the hard work for the for inclusion to work for Mason because I'm working my I'm trying to make this not have an explicit episode. I'm working my <laughs> tush off for Mason, but I also feel like for the greater good and not like I'm I'm not trying to be like some martyr. It feels important to me, you know, but the second a mama walks onto campus with a child with Down syndrome and chooses a special day class, all I'm going to do is give her a high five. Like, yes, you do what you need to do, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that's what we need to do in this conversation is like, until the systems work for our kids, we cannot feel guilt for, right. for not putting them in it, you know? Like, and for the people who, yeah, where it is a priority, like you're saying, Marissa, like this is the hill that they want to climb. Right. Then yes, let's cheer each other on. Totally. And bring them a glass of cold water, you yes. know? Pass when the they baton. Totally. There's all totally. these different relays really in this journey. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's just such, it's just unfortunate that the systems don't work, know. you know, it's yeah. just unfortunate and we'll, and it's such a, a slow shift. Um, 
and everyone's doing their part and it just looks different for everybody. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, I think the mom um, talked about this that you read her post um, bandwidth too. like every family yeah. has what they can handle. Like sometimes Andy comes home and is like, I don't know if you can homeschool, honey. I don't know if this <laughs> is a good idea for you. You know, like sometimes you just have to take in all of that and and maybe that's what she's saying how for what our family can do and and really that's what it it has to be about your family unit and i do see the fact of being able to choose to homeschool or not as a privilege because andy's working and i get to stay home with the kiddos and not everybody has that i have the resources to look into all the different free charter options, school funding that can go into homeschooling. Like if I didn't probably live and know the, with the, know the people I know and live where I live, I probably wouldn't have looked into that naturally on my own, but I Mm. feel like I have the supports in place. Like I feel like I have Terry Brown. I feel like I have a great charter program that I'm a part of. And I know other families in it that I connect with. So I'm not in it alone. And I feel like even that, that's really neat. Because if you, if it's like a shot in the dark, you're like, where do I even begin? Is this, that's stressful in itself to take on your child's education as well as being their parent. So I don't know, guys. I don't know. It's a you do you. And also go into it like a horse blinders. Like let everybody do what they're going to do. And try not to second guess yourself. Because we all are really all guessing in this mom game. So I think that's where we can let. <laughs> we're, we're guessing, but we're going off of our intuition. But I feel like that's where we can doubt. Like, oh, they're being super successful. Look, at they just changed lives. Oh, mm-hmm. how do I feel about this? Am I changing lives? Right. Is my child being successful? What does that mean? I even was in a mom group conversation yesterday where it was like this three-year-old little girl with Down syndrome is saying the ABCs and can identify it. And if, oh my gosh, okay, what flashcards do I need to get? And blah, blah, blah. Like we do, we don't want to limit our kids. And at the same time, we see others doing stuff at an earlier age. So then we're like, come on kids here. Okay. Right. I'm going to buy the flashcards. Yeah. I'm going to be blah, blah, blah. Cause I think we don't, we never want our kids to be left behind. So then we doubt if we're doing enough. I don't know. And we get to see it all because of social media. I know. The love, hate, the tug of war. Blinders, horse blinders, everybody. It's a lot. You are a crack up. It is a lot. In my head. Like Mercedes, did you see what happened over here? I got my blinders on. I, I did not see, but you do you. I love it. <laughs> not watching, not watching, not watching. I, yes. Um, okay, well, we we have other questions that have come in. Um oh, yay. today too. So one actually, this is for you, Mercedes. <gasps> yay. Um some you've we've gotten some questions. Um, a lot of people who wrote in about homeschooling. Um so now you're the resident expert. In homeschooling. With my six-year-old. On the Lucky Pew podcast. <laughs> She's one month in, everybody. <laughs> and she doesn't totally buy it. And I'm like, really struggling. Um, yeah, I think, oh, community, being very um, organized is key. And knowing the goals you want 
is key. So for Sunflower, I have very specific goals that would be completely 100% different than I had for Rhodes. That's why I've taken on Sunflower and I have not taken on Rhodes. (laughs) He's just going to be along for the ride this year because he's in TK and I can do TK. I can do TK homeschool. Um, So for Sunflower, yeah, we are... Our focus is for this year. Um, so I'm saying she's in kindergarten. She is six. And if I put her in the school system, she would be in first grade, actually, um, judging by their chart. I think I can protest that since she has an IEP. But um, they are pretty strict in California with mm-hmm. birth, um, whatever the cutoff is for birth. So she would be considered first grade. Um People with Down syndrome are lifelong learners, so I take that into consideration. With Sunflower, she's just learned to, like, say her name when someone asks her, like, oh, what's your name? And she always says Sunny. So we're learning how to spell her name. We're learning, like, how to say or count to, like, well, count to 10 so she could be able to say that she is six years old and um, as well as hopefully... My goal is to get her to learn at least my phone number, um, but that one's really that one's a that one's a high goal. But um, I just have these different goals for her. So if um, we end the year and she can, she knows her ABCs, but they're not very audible. So I try and I'm teaching her in sign language. Um, everything is just with homeschool geared towards her. And when we get our homeschool funds, so we use Inspire, which is a great. Um, homeschool option um you get funds every semester that you can use for academics or enrichment classes which are like electives so for sunflower we don't have her currently in pt or ot but she's loving swim so we're gonna she's gonna be in swim she's gonna be in horse therapy um Rhodes is gonna be taking taekwondo and i'm taking on their academics and also, with that, those funds, you can buy um, curriculum and all the supplies you need for your curriculum. So it's very laid out, and you have, like, a lead teacher. So you don't feel alone, but that structure part, that day-to-day, Monday through Friday structure part is everything. And that's kind mm-hmm. of where I feel like moms could feel overwhelmed or, like, yeah. is homeschooling even working? Are you learning mm-hmm. anything? Um because you can feel like you're just on a bunch of hikes and you're like, that's a leaves. Let's count leaves. <laughs> learning. Right. We're Charlotte Mason. I don't know. <laughs> like, I feel like learning through nature. Um, I don't want to be like that. I really do want to stretch Sunny, and but I also want to pace her so that learning continues to be enjoyable um, for her. I also love the idea of homeschool that you are flexible like she still needs a nap in the middle of the day um i don't know i just get to gear things towards her which i don't know if it's good or bad because i already think she thinks she's a queen diva but um i think it's working for us for right now i love the thought of um doing all these enrichment classes um where she gets to be with typical peers um and get that experience as well because she can she does better with connecting with others when they are 
both join in a activity, not just um, free play. Free like, play. Yeah. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like the school would say, oh, she would be mainstream during lunch and during recess. And I'm like, what, what does that do for her? Unless someone is walking and making things right. intentional. Um, so I do love that aspect of it. Um, we have just started our own little group of uh, three. They're all boys. Sunny's always the only girl with Down syndrome. But um, three <laughs> other boys with Down syndrome who we're all going to meet once a week. Uh, just so that they can have peer-to-peer -peer interaction too. Because I feel like Sunny, most of her life, is so low in the world um, of repping that extra chromosome in her like day-to-day. -day. So I really want her to have, as much as I want her to be included, and with mainstream society, I also want her to sometimes be able to breathe and be like, hey, same, same, you and I. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so... Um, We've been able to create that. So those moms actually have kids who are older, who they've been homeschooling, who have Down syndrome. So I feel like I glean off of them a lot. It's awesome. Yeah. So I, cause I'm constantly asking questions and there's like this book teaching math to people with Down syndrome, like I, on Amazon, I can link this stuff um, to you guys that I didn't even yeah. know about. Like, Awesome. Terry Brown's always a great resource. She has a great online. She's very active on Facebook. So really yes. any question I have for her. Um, but mainly it's about my attitude too, of just like making sure I'm taking care of myself so that I could be mentally available to homeschool my child as well as be their parent. Cause that's kind of a juggle and a mind game. Yeah. It's like a whole other conversation, right? Yeah. How do you take care of yourself <laughs> in the midst of when all of this? They're That's all podcast, there, always. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we got another question. Thanks, Mercedes, for sharing that. Yeah. Um, we have another question, and it was, "How do we feel about the term special education? Oh, Any feelings? Isn't that special? Is that special. Saturday Night Live? Yeah, it's a church lady, I think. <laughs> That's uh, sure. <laughs> uh, I think it's Dana Carvey. It is Dana Carvey. I think it's just a church lady, but yeah, it is that was for not sure the Dana best Carvey. impression of the church lady. It was okay. <laughs> um, I don't have a strong feeling. Imagine that about the wow. word special education. I don't either, actually. Like the phrase, I don't know. It doesn't I think we should. Me. We could call it remarkable education or sparkly education, edu <laughs> rainbow. There's so many ways we could go. Yeah. <laughs> I do. You, I mean, <laughs> do you guys, I mean, we've talked before about that, uh, the ad or the, the video that came out in, um, Down syndrome awareness month oh, several yes. years ago special. about special needs. <laughs> yes. And it was, uh, we'll link to that again with, with, with people like mostly adults, it was mostly adults yeah. with Down syndrome. And most who, of them are, um, famous they are they're actors, yes. and actors yeah and they were just making fun of being called special needs i'm um, not a dinosaur <laughs> i eat dinosaur eggs that would make them special. that would be yeah. special <laughs> i think my only issue with it is it's con i think it has a negative connotation yeah, yeah. and it, it, we can replace special with sparkle or rainbow or whatever and it eventually will have that so it's yeah. more the mindset of what this means which is that massive shift that we're trying to make happen that right. yeah. this does, this isn't a negative thing right. to have a kid who has special needs, but it's looked at that way. So that's my issue is the way it's viewed. But the phrase 
I don't know. I feel like I got other battles to fight. <laughs> That's not your hill. <laughs> not, not climbing the, the hill of changing the, the phrasing from special education. Oh, shoot. Um, okay. We're going to wrap it up here. Yeah. We got another question that was just like, how do you decide the setting for your child? But I feel like we, we did that, answer right. that, right? Right. And it um, will and always shift. I feel like you, you, you got to be okay with it shifting. Mm-hmm. Yes. Flexibility is so important. Yeah. Learning and growing alongside our kiddos and with each other, not judging each other, mm-hmm. right. cheering each other on is so, so huge in this community. And I just hated the thought that moms feel guilty saying, I'm putting my child in a special ed class, you know, within our Down syndrome community. Like, yeah. no, 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 no. This is not, yeah. The, like, it's not working for your kid. Let's put them in a class that's going to work. And that doesn't mean that you're not still fighting for inclusive practices in your child's life, you know? Mm-hmm. And inclusion's more than school. It's our whole lives. It's church and community and friends right. and family. And I think everybody's doing that That's right. pretty well. Okay. Where, where do we go from here, guys? Now, now we're going to take a little, um, a little tiny break. Take a little break and we'll be back with our favorite part of the episode. And you, listener, can guess what it's going to be. All right. We are back. Ladies, thanks so much for um, having this conversation today. And listeners, thanks for giving us some questions today. It has been really nice just to uh, be able to talk through some of these things that are harder to talk about sometimes in our community. So now it's time for the very best part of this. It's coming your way. It's coming down the hill. Mercedes is shaking, (laughs) doing a shimmy. (laughs) Mercedes just does visuals, so someday we'll get a video on. (laughs) We were at the top of the hill, and now we're coming down with good news. Good news. Here. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I've got some good news. Um, I love it when we hear from our listeners. And so I want to tell you all that one of our listeners, Krista Scholl, emailed us and said, Our good news is our five year old daughter, Myrene, for the first time said, I hungry. And she said it with her words. That's Yay. massive. Good Sweet. news. Oh. Love it. Good job, Myrene. So we have another good news from a listener and follower, Isabella Zoe. I know her. We're friends. On Instagram, she said, good news. Ruby recently wrote an R all by herself. Woohoo. We're working on her writing her name. Yes. Ruby, an R is a very hard letter. It's a a hard hard letter. letter. Maybe one of the hardest. And it's actually kind of hard to say R. Yes, R is very tricky. Is. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Good job, girl. Cheering you on. That's awesome. Okay, we're going to do a school-related post because that feels appropriate. This is from at LBoz1 <laughs> on Instagram. Got it. Got it. Got on it. Instagram, wrote in and said, my girl is rocking her new Catholic high school, getting ready to be a cheerleader on the sidelines for the first time. Oh. It's a dream. <gasps> Woo! We come. I know. How right? do we go to that game? <laughs> oh my gosh. I, I mean, that's that was my dream, and I never got to experience that. I'm so excited for her. <laughs> I cheerleader friend. Oh. I was dance team, and I oh. don't encourage my children to do it, except my children with Down syndrome. <laughs> <laughs> Another episode. 
<laughs> this is amazing. I really want to yes. see some videos. So, so yes, let's go follow please. along. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and not only a cheerleader, like, but this is her brand new school. So she's both entered a new school and she's made the cheerleading squad. So happy to hear it. Um, thank you, everybody, for sending your good news. And as always, we want to hear your good news about your loved ones with Down syndrome. So let us know. Leave us a voicemail at 424-442-9147 and share your good news with your beautiful voice. Or you can always email us or, um, or send us a DM on our Instagram if you have a product or business that wants to help us shout the worth of people with Down syndrome, we would love to partner with you. You can email hello at the Lucky Few Podcast for sponsorship opportunities. And as always, we want to give a huge thank you to our editor and producer, Andy Lara, to our co-producer, Val Schleter, to our sponsor, and to all of you who've shared the Lucky Few podcast with friends, who've listened faithfully, who've cheered us on. Don't forget to subscribe. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts if your heart wants to. And um, you can also leave a review wherever you get your podcasts if you're not an Apple Podcast person. Remember that you, our dear listener, supporting your loved one with Down syndrome, you are a shadow of worth and a narrative shifter. So keep on keeping on. We're cheering for you. See you all next Monday on the Lucky Few Podcast. Bye. 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 Thanks for listening to the Lucky Few Podcast. Remember to review our show on Apple Podcasts and check us out on all social media at the Lucky Few Pod. You can also support the show now via anchor.fm just by going to the website, scroll down to the bottom, and you can begin your support right now. Lastly, send us your good news by going to theluckyfewpodcast.com and sending us a message via text, voicemail, or email. See you next time. Bye.